Now, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we've talked about for the last several months. For if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. We are new creatures, new creations in Christ. One of the things I'm realizing more and more, though, is I, I keep having to backtrack a little bit as we go. We're finding out who we are. Then we have to backtrack a little bit to find our position. And then I realize, well, let's go back a little more. Let's get back to the very first thing God did. He saved us from hell. I don't hear very many excited people about that one. Uh, not going to hell. Yay. Isn't it interesting how commonplace the church gets? And I'm being serious. God has rescued us from the pits of hell. And we can only muster a woohoo. God has rescued us from the very pits of hell. Church. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something else to you real quick. And wow, I didn't get at times. I want you to look at me real quick. We keep missing it at times. I was reading in John t- t- this morning where Jesus said, Hey, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Somebody ought to be excited Jesus chose you. And not just assume it was your privilege. I'm not trying to shake up in the moment, but maybe I am. God chose you to rescue you from the pits of hell. Does that mean anything to us anymore? Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I always have looked at that verse and I've gone, what are you talking about in that, Lord? If you love me, then you're going to show me you love me by keeping your commands. Right? Isn't that kind of how you read it? If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Okay, how do I show Dave that I love him as a brother? Well, I'll do what he asks of me. How do I show my, my family that I love them? I'll do what I ask, uh, what they ask of me. That's not, I believe, what Jesus was saying at all. He was saying, if you love me, then it's going to be easy to do what? If you love me, it's going to be easy to do what? To keep my commands. To follow you. How many remember when John the Baptist was standing in that water and he sees Jesus coming and he starts to speak about who he was and he says, hey, I must be less he must be more. He must increase. I must decrease. And I find it very interesting in another translation it said, he must become the priority. Not me. And another translation kind of spelled it out this way. He must be the groom. I'll be the best man. I've got to treat him as though he's about to marry the bride. So not only do I get to be a part of the bride, I get to stand next to him as the best man, as a co-worker in Christ Jesus. 
Has anybody here ever thought of being Jesus' best man at a wedding? I really have gotten to uh, allow the Lord to just speak heavily last night, this morning, on my heart. I really don't have notes today, and it probably looks like I'm pondering as I'm standing here today, and I really am, because I just want the Lord to speak to my heart today as I share with you. I say all these things to say this. It's one thing to say, Jesus, we love you. It's another thing to say, Jesus, we like you so much, we want to surrender our lives to you. We prefer you over anything else. And I'm going to ask a very direct question because I just want us to really take a quick and close look at it. How many here today prefer Jesus over anything else? Anything else. Anything else. Wednesday night we were talking about surrender. Got on the subject of surrender. That wasn't our original topic, but surrender. And I'm coming to the realization that surrender really is preferring Jesus over anything else. Because how many know you'll live differently when the more you prefer Jesus? I mean, come on, when we get married, who do we prefer? The bride or the bridesmaids? It's going to be obvious if you prefer the bridesmaids over the bride, right? It's going to be obvious, isn't it? Who do we prefer, Jesus or his corrupt creation? Who do we prefer? 1 Peter chapter 5 says this, verse 6, Humble yourselves. Humble just simply means this, surrender, submit, declare. I'm under God's power now. I, I like some of the older ones. It says, be meeked. Be meek. Be meek. What does that mean? I'm nothing, you're everything, but because you're everything, I have. Let me say it again. I'm nothing, you're everything, but because you're everything, I have. That's being meek. Does everyone understand that? That's surrender saying, God, I need you. I want you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. See, there's the promise. That the Father will always stand by his promise. He will always do what, Aaron Thompson? He will always lift you up. How many know that he will always lift you up? Because that's what he promised. Wilderness, God continued, that God continually through the desert, through 40 years in the wilderness, God continued to keep his promises to his people even when they weren't doing what he had called them to do. How many know that? So how many know here that God will continue to bless you, continue to keep your prom- his promises over you, even if you are not preferring him? But ultimately... The life that he called you to and prepared you for is found only in surrender. We can laugh about surrender. We can laugh about submitting. But I'm going to tell you what. We will never truly grasp what it is that Jesus has for us. I do believe that all, all emotional brokenness will come to an end through surrender. 
I believe that all brokenness within ourselves, and I'm talking about identity brokenness, uh, emotional brokenness, all sorts, comes to an end in full surrender. And you're saying, well, what are you talking about? I've tried this before. I'm not saying there's a magical formula. I'm saying the less we think about us, the more we focus and prefer Him, the more we see Him moving in us. The more we prefer us and prefer what's going on around us. And I am speaking today, again, from a heart that, that, that sees this far too often in my own life. I still, still have that hook of anxiety that tries to grab me. Anybody hear me? And, and we, have, we have books, we have self-help books, we have all sorts of stuff to tell us that, you know, well, if you just do this, you do this, but this is all part of it. You're just going to have to live with it as a disease. You're going to have to live it, you know, da, 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 da. And I'm like, I, you know what? My problem isn't so much that I need to focus on it as a disease that's going, that, that, that just, this is my lot in life. No, my lot in life is Jesus. So if I focus on what I think is my lot in life or what I don't have or what I'm missing, I am going to miss what Jesus has already given me completely. And he says, prefer me over everything else you hear around you, over everything else you think. Prefer me. Prefer me as your God. Not your entertainment. Prefer me as your God, not your children. Prefer me as your God, not your spouse. Prefer me as your God, not your work. Prefer me as your God, not your addictions of any other areas. Prefer me as your God, because as that happens, you truly decrease and He increases. Surrender. Surrender. Verse 6, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time and he goes on in verse 7 and says cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you do you prefer him or do you prefer the anxiety do you prefer him or do you prefer the antidote what you think is the antidote to your anxiety you follow what i'm saying i know this sounds heavy but i, I i'm speaking directly from my heart do you prefer this Truth, or do we prefer what we hope is a quick fix? You follow me? See, that's why hell means very little these days, because we don't see it, so we don't see that we need to be fixed by it. Back in the day, we, we, we were, the people were a lot more susceptible to that, and that understanding of we need to be saved. <laughs> we really were, and we missed completely what God was doing for us and in us. Nowadays, we're preaching what it is that God is doing in us, but we're missing the big picture here. If not for Him, we're doomed. So why are we preferring the things that continue to doom us rather than preferring Him? You like. So I'll ask again. Do you love Jesus? But do you like Jesus? Do you see what I'm getting at here? Because not everything that Jesus commanded... It's going to make you feel real good at first. Not everything Jesus declared is going to make you feel real awesome at first. Because what does it do? It grates against our way of thinking. 
I've heard far too many. I remember hearing about one, one, one gentleman who said, hey, you know, somewhere along the line, he said, um, I think it was Gandhi. Jesus, I like. It's the, the people I don't like. Well, that sounds real wise, and I've heard pastors use that from the pulpit, but here's the problem. Regardless, Gandhi, Jesus told you to love your brothers and sisters. Right? Regardless. I saw in the pulpit here three weeks ago a, a pastor somewhere in the U.S. all in an uproar over this whole thing. With I can't remember the I can never pronounce the guy's last name. The football player who's the um, oh everybody knew it. Wow, Colin. That's Colin. And of course Nike. You know. And, and so he gets up in the pulpit the first Sunday and takes all these, this Nike apparel and says, hey, this doesn't sound completely like you, as a protest. And I'm going to be honest with you, and you say, hey, Dave, this doesn't sound completely like you. I struggle with that because there's nothing biblical about what he just did. That was not Jesus being reflected in the pulpit. I'm not saying let's cheer and say, oh, no, but what you just did was still out of your own anger and out of your own frustrations, and I'm going to be honest, out of our own thinking. Because this gentleman, whoever it is, when you are not being led by the Lord, you're missing the, ball, the, the, the whole issue. And the whole issue is this. We need Jesus, and those who see that need to desire that for everyone else. We need to desire that for everyone else. So cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you more than you care for you. Verse 8, in the NIV it makes it a new paragraph. And a few other updated translations, they make it a new paragraph. In the old translations, which I don't have a single problem with, they don't. It's not a new paragraph. It goes on to say, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion for someone to devour. Now, most of us sit around going, that means we need to do what? Look around. No, the statement prior to that is what you need to be doing. Casting all your anxiety on Him because He, because he cares for you. Because if you don't cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you, guess who's roaming around looking for you? And the more we do not prefer Christ over the world and what fixes our anxiety and fixes our fear and fixes our struggles. And the more we prefer those things, the more we open ourselves up to the enemy who is like a roaring lion coming after you and me. We have missed many times the fact that surrender has nothing to do with you being saved, you receiving all that Jesus has for you. Surrender has nothing to do with those things first. You know what it has to do with first? Jesus, I prefer you. And if I prefer you, then I get everything you've done for me. But it starts with, Jesus, I prefer you. I don't just love you and sing songs to you and read my Bible and think about you. I, Jesus doesn't just love you. Because I'm going to have to tell you something right now. Jesus doesn't just love you. 
He likes you. He likes you. Are we, on a point, are we at a point where we're reciprocating that? Are we still caught up with this? The word says in verse 9, resist him, standing firm in the faith. How do you resist the enemy? Stand firm in the what? Not in your feelings, not in your fixes, but in your faith. How do you resist an enemy that tells you all hell is breaking loose? How many, how many, I, I think about this past week. It was an atrocious, drama-filled week in politics, wasn't it? But I'm going to tell you what. Isn't it interesting how the enemy wants to keep screaming in your ear? Screaming in your ear. Be angry. Oh, remember, he's working both sides. He's working both sides. Be angry. Be frustrated. Better watch out. And then before you know it, if you think about some liberal movement coming in and, and just changing life as we know, suddenly every Christian, you know, most Christians get all worked up about losing their rights. How will we lose our rights when Jesus gave them to us? If he is for us, who can be against us? And who can take away our rights? You know what our rights are? To be a child of God. And I agree with Pastor Jim. Praise the Lord. Right now, I believe the Lord is giving us a, a, a moment in time where we can continue to gather like this, unlike other countries. Boy, China was beginning to explode. Now they just locked it down again in China. Christians are under persecution again, pretty heavy there. And yet, the church in China continues to grow. Within the next five years, I think it is, they will have a larger Christian population than the U.S. And I'm not just talking about Christian Christian. I'm talking about people who really prefer Jesus. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith. Because you know. How many know the devil's a liar? Then resist him. How many know the devil is a liar? Then stand firm in your faith. How many know the devil's a liar? Oh, I need a mirror. How many know the devil is a liar? Then why do we give up by faith? I prefer Jesus. I prefer Jesus. I don't feel like it, but by faith, I prefer Jesus. I feel shaky today, but I prefer you, Jesus. I prefer your presence. I prefer you. I surrender to you. This is so much so. Back up just about three or four pages to James chapter 4. I think James and Peter got talking together one day. James and Peter got talking together one day. And, and he said, James wrote down in chapter 4 about the time Peter was talking. And he said, you know what? This ought to work really good in, James, in, in my, my, my fourth chapter here. I am just being facetious. But he gets into it like this. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? By the way, who's he talking to? Unbelievers? The church. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires of battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, but so you kill. And by the way, he's not talking about murdering people in the physical sense. He's talking about unforgiveness and hatred and bitterness and then rationalizing it. Well, they did this to me. How could I ever forgive them? Because Jesus forgave you. And do you prefer Jesus or do you prefer your thing? 
You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. In other words, basically you're saying, God, bless me for me. When God said, I bless you for the good of the body and and people. I love you, I'll bless you, but I want it to keep moving. Don't make this about you. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Let me read that again because this is a key verse here. It says, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. In other words, you prefer the world over who? So I'm asking you today, think for with me just for a moment. Does the world have anything to offer you in the long term? Nothing. And yet when we prefer the world in the short term, we are not preferring the one who has everything to offer in the long term. We literally become, live as enemies of God because we're not preferring Him. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? He gives us more grace. This is why Scripture says God opposes the proud. Who are the proud? The ones that think they know better than him. I'm just going to make it that clear. Because God has declared who he is. God has declared what he's done. And God has declared who you are. And whenever humility says right, that's out of a spirit of pride. Humility says, I submit to that. I surrender to that. I submit and surrender to that today. You are who you say you are. You are the great I am. You have done the impossible. You have saved me. You have made me. You have created a new creature here. I am new. Praise God. And you say you even like me. Woo. Really? But I, by faith, prefer that instead of by feeling. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So this is when Peter called him up one day and said, Hey, guess what I'm going to write down in my book? And James said, Oh, I'll have to steal some of that. Here's some plagiarizing. Submit yourselves then to God. Right there. Surrender. Prefer Him over the world. And what's going to happen? James is being very clear. What's going to happen when you prefer God over the world? Who's going to show up? And see, it's not going to be, I hear people say, oh, devil's been on me big time this week. Usually because somebody made a phone call, gave you a dirty look, uh, your knee hurts, things like that, you know, and suddenly the devil's all over you. You ain't seen nothing yet. You really haven't. For if the devil's not been all over you because the devil can't do much to you in Christ. For if he is for you, who or what can be against you? Because we put on the armor of God, spirit of truth, shield of faith. The enemy is going to try to attack, but I'm going to tell you what, it's going to be pretty pointless. Are there going to be times you suffer? Sure. But are you suffering externally or are you suffering internally? If we're in Christ, we might suffer externally, but our internal is filled with love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. See, there's a big difference. Satan can only attack the outer. 
He can't do a single thing to the inner. So whatever's going on in the inner, that's between you and God. And many times what we've done in our preference for the world over the Father, over Christ, has impacted our internal. So how many members, how many church members do we see still after 50 years not fully grasping the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the self-control that God has already for you to like Niagara Falls all over you and still aren't living with it because we haven't preferred Jesus. We have not preferred him. But I've believed it. Resist the devil because the devil's then going to take. But what happens is very easily when we believe what he says, it's still resist the devil because the devil's then going to take that very subtly and make it all about who again. So then if I believe everything Jesus says and I don't see it happening, I'm still going to be making it about who. So who did I lose sight of? So what am I preferring? You follow what I'm saying? Resist the devil. But here's the promise. Resist the devil and he will what? He'll go. Come near to God and he will come near to you. I love how the Passion, they put a little, uh, Passion Translation put this little note at the bottom. It says, come near to God and he'll come near to you. You know what he's saying there? He says, come near to God and God will be all over you. Oh, come on. Come near to God and God will be touching you. It doesn't mean that God will reluctantly move towards you. Because he's God and he's got to do this kind of thing. No. What did the prodigal son father do? What did the prodigal son father do? Come near to God and God's going to be all up in your grill. Because he likes you. And he wants to. Amen? Wash your hands, you sinners. See, here's one thing we have got to constantly come back to. We cannot focus on our sin. We must focus on what He's done because if we focus on our sin, we're trapped in our sin. But here's the thing. We cannot continue to sin and expect all be well. We'll take the subtle sins. You can't keep walking in, in unforgiveness and expect life to be okay. You can't continue to walk in bitterness towards somebody and expect life to be okay. Or you cannot continue in any blatant sin and, and expect life to be okay. God says, no, I can't operate that way. I like you too much. Any parents here like their kids enough to not let them keep on doing the bad stuff? Wash your hands, sinners. Purify your heart, you double-minded. Oh, you know who the double-minded are? The ones who with their mouths say they prefer Jesus, but with their lives prefer what? That's the double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. In other words, get serious about this. Change your laughter to mourning. What kind of laughter are you talking about? About the stuff where you just think, oh, whatever. No. God, I prefer you. In any area of my life, I thank you. You are changing that in me and transforming that in me. And I will not hold on to it and make excuses for life when I feel like I need to. Continue to sit here with the paddles ready to resuscitate. I'm a new creature in Christ. And I must continue to walk that way in your strength and your power. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And what's the promise again? You see how James and Peter were getting it together there? 
Humble yourselves. Surrender. I'm just going to use real quick some of the words I was looking up for uh, surrender. Submit. Be subject to. Give yourself. Humble. Humble yourself. Obey. Let God control you. Be willing to be made low. Be meeked. Humble. You are under God's power. Out of my heart today is this. Do you prefer Jesus or do you prefer the world? Do you prefer Jesus or do you prefer the world? I'm going to ask him one more time. Do you prefer Jesus or do you prefer the world? Jesus. Jesus. Surrender to Christ is when you make preference for Him over all other things, regardless of what you think. It's done by faith, not by feelings. I'm going to challenge in what He's doing, and just remembering Jesus in what He's done, in what He's doing, and what He's going to keep doing. I'm just going to ask you with me, just for a moment of meditation, just closing your eyes. And just get before Jesus. You, me and him, you and him. Jesus, you like me. I don't even know how you do. You love me, you like me. But I choose you today to like who you are. I prefer you over all other things. And I ask you to forgive me, which I know you already do as I'm approaching you. Forgive me. And I repent right now of areas where I have preferred other things. I prefer you instead because you have so much more. You are so much more. And I want your presence God, <laughs> this world's crazy to live in right now, but it's not impossible. <laughs> You've called us here as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Satan has set out to get us off track, to get our eyes fixed on a world that has nothing for us. When instead we've been called to this world because we have everything for them. God, open our eyes to that. And we submit and surrender, preferring you today. In Jesus' name.